Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. So I want to begin with a question this morning. As you think about life and what you see, have you, as you think about teams and teamwork, have you ever been on a team that clicked and worked well together? Have you ever been on some form of team, whether it's a sports team or perhaps a work team or a group project at school or perhaps teaming up with others to put on a community event or an event at school or even here with our church? Have you ever been a part of a team that clicked and worked well together? Or perhaps you've, if you haven't been, perhaps you've seen another team that clicked and worked well together. As you think about that type of team, what are the characteristics of that type of team? Why, does, why do some teams tend to click and work well together while others don't? I'll give you a couple reasons why. One, it starts with leadership. It starts with the leader or leaders of that team. Leaders are given the task to, to set the direction of a team, to be clear in terms of not only where the team is headed, but why they're doing what they're doing. And so the leader and leaders need to come together, set that direction, hold that team accountable, and move forward and inspire that team in that direction. So leadership's a big part of why teams click. No doubt, the members of the team, who's on the team, what do they bring to the team, their contributions, their willingness, the ability to play and work well together, that helps a team click. So you think about leaders and players together help a team click. There's lots of teamwork going on as we are moving from the summer into the fall. I loved being at a high school football game uh, a couple nights ago, and you see two different types of teams. You see a football team, you see a marching band, you see a lot of things, cheerleaders, there's lots of teamwork going on. And specifically, I know maybe it's because it's the summer and moving towards the end of the summer. When I think of teams, I think of the National Football League. I think of the NFL. I think of training camp. As we come to the end of training camp right now, we, we see how teams right now are trying to determine who's going to make the team. When you have training camp, there's competition, there's, there's discernment about who's going to make the team, who's not going to make the team, who's the best for the team. There's also chemistry that's being developed. Because the NFL, an NFL football team is a great example and study of teamwork. Because really an NFL team is a team of teams. There's all different components and they have to work together to find a way ultimately to win. Right? The bottom line is score more points than the other team to win. That's what a football team wants to do. But it takes a lot of coordination and growth and contributions and identifying who's the best person for the best place for that team to succeed. Well, that's football. There may be other types of teams. What about the church? As you think about the church, the church is the family of God called together on the mission of God. In many ways, the church is like a team and can be like a team. But winning for the, for the church comes down to what Jesus said. And not so much what we would say. Some of the times we think we know what's best for the church, but we need to come back to what Jesus said to define what is winning for the church. What's the purpose? What's the why for the church? Why does the church exist? And to do that, we go back to Jesus' words that he left with his disciples, some of his final words to his disciples. And this commission that he gave to them at the end of the, the Gospel of Matthew, what's come to be known as the Great Commission. Right, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Therefore, go, Go and make disciples of all nations, right? baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, Jesus said. And then he said these great words of assurance. Surely, surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. 
or here were Jesus' words, final words to his disciples, the commission or the great commission. And it really, it's words to us by extension today. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that commission is for you and for me as well. That we're called, as we're on the go, as we're on the move in life, to make disciples, disciples which are learners and followers. And so really our role as followers of Christ is to help others come to know Jesus and to follow him more closely, right? To embrace the grace that he has for us, um, to experience his love and forgiveness, and to then offer that love and forgiveness to other people in a world which is very much so graceless in so many different ways. We're called to go and to make disciples, other followers and learners of Jesus, and in doing so, experience the closeness to God in that context. That is the big why of the church, right? The family of God called together on the mission of God like a team. It's like a team. So if you think about our context, New Promise Presbyterian Church, one particular church in the whole body of Christ, God has called me to serve like a head coach of this church. I'm your head coach, whether you like it or not. Head coach Lee, right? I'm your coach. But it's not just me. A good head coach needs lots of help with leadership. And I'm grateful for our session of elders. I'm grateful for our deacons. I'm grateful for our staff. And for the countless others who help lead this church, whether in finance and personnel and different ministries of care and compassion and care. It goes on and on. We have lots of leaders. And I need leaders for me to lead and love well as your pastor. But I also need players. I need players who are willing to commit, who want to grow, who want to find their place. Because you think about teams that click, those who are on teams that click, the players tend to say things like this, I was made for this. Or maybe you see someone else on the team and they're flourishing and you think, man, she's in the zone. Look at her. She's in her zone. That's what she was created to do. When you see a team that clicks, everyone has found their place, offering a unique contribution and building towards the team doing what they're called to do. In the case of sports, it's to win. If it's in the case of planning events, it's for a successful event. It goes on and on. But in those situations, each person finds their place, and they know what it's all about. And so that brings us back to our sermon series. This sermon series in August called Living Sacrifices. We've been going through the New Testament letter of Romans and the chapter 12. We're putting a magnifying glass to this chapter. And if you recall in the beginning... Uh, chapter one, verse one of chapter 12, the apostle said, Paul says, I, therefore I urge you in view of God's mercy, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we began this series by reflecting on the fact that if you want to come back to life, especially as we're coming through this pandemic, so many have said, I feel like I just need, to, need help coming back to life. I need to rediscover how to live after this pandemic, we've talked about it a couple weeks ago. If you want to come back to life, God will bring us back to life as we offer ourselves to him. God will bring us back to life as we offer ourselves to him. That's what we focused on two weeks ago. Last week, we focused on the resistance to that. That in this world, that by default, if, if we don't let God interrupt what's happening in our lives, we are going to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Last week, I had a big ball of Play-Doh up here. Feedback was it messed a lot of people up because there were four different colors. And so for those who obsess about Play-Doh, I'm sorry that I was a stumbling block to you with my four different types of Play-Doh. But once we got beyond that, right, the pressing and shaping of this world, then unless we let God interrupt that action, by default, we will be conformed to the pattern of this world. We talked about we need to let God transform us by the renewing of our mind. 
And we let him do that by engaging his word and scripture. We do that by coming to him in prayer and relating to him. We do that by connecting with, in relationships with others who are seeking the same thing. We talked about that's what we're seeking to help you do as a church as we move forward into the fall and beyond. We need to let God transform us by the renewing of our mind. And so as we come through these first two verses in this Living Sacrifices series, now we move on to how do we apply this more? And we're just going to look at the rest of chapter 12 the next two weeks. If you really go through the rest of Romans, we see this is what the Christian life is. In response to God's great mercy for us, this is how we are to live. If you want to be a living sacrifice, if you want to lay down your life, if you want God to bring you back to life by dedicating yourself to him, here's how you do it. And the Apostle Paul paints that picture. And so we're going to look at verses 3 through 8 in chapter 12 today. I'm going to read it through all the way through, and then we'll go verse by verse and really break down what this means for us as the church, a church that's the family of God, called together on the mission of God. And the mission of God is found in the Great Commission to go and make disciples, followers of Jesus. So starting in verse 3, we read this from Romans chapter 12. Paul continues by saying, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Starting back in verse 3, right? Paul says, says, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Here, Paul is saying he's been given a grace. What's his grace? His grace is he's been called as an early leader in the church to go plant new church communities as an apostle. So God gave him this grace. So in many ways, Paul is modeling what he's about to teach in the rest of these verses. That Paul was given a grace. He was given a role, and then he's living it out. He's dedicating that back to God. And so in doing so, with proper authority, Given by God, now Paul enters into the conversation with these Christians in Rome, and really with us by extension today. And he says this, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In many ways, the Greek thought of that time was one of leaning on moderation and moderate how you approach life. And here he's saying in a similar way, come and look at yourself with sober judgment. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't get a big head. Think yourself with sober judgment. And how are you to assess? Is it based on what you think of yourself, what others think of you? He says, no, do it in accordance with what God thinks of you, according to the faith that he's given to you. And that faith is faith in Christ. And this faith in Christ shows this, that you are valued, you are loved, and you are important to God. So much so that Jesus came and died for the forgiveness of your sins. That God did this because he didn't want a broken relationship with you. He wanted to know you and he wanted you to be known. And so think of yourself in light of your relationship with him. Don't rely on even what, if you're someone who tends to beat yourself up, don't go there. If you're to someone who thinks you're, 
you know, God's gift to the world. Don't go there either. He's like somewhere in the middle. Have sober judgment based on what God thinks of you. So in light of that, he says, now think of yourself as you come to the greater picture, to the greater family, to the greater team. And he describes that team in verses four and five. One of Paul's favorite descriptions of the church. One of his favorite descriptions of God's people is, is like a body. And one body with many parts. And he says this in verse four. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, he says, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Right, we see a little characteristics here about a body. It's interesting where uh, each member has a specific function. Right? Not every member is the same. Each member has a unique purpose, a unique function within that body. Some are visible. Some are not, or hidden. They're just as important. Right? Just the hand and the foot, those are visible. Very important parts of the body. But your liver and your spleen are hidden. They better be working. Right? It's God, Paul's saying we all have different functions. And it's all important. So we see different characteristics of members of a body, meaning each individual person who's a part of the family of God on the mission of God or the team that God's called together. And so each member we see from this, these verses that there's many members, but there's one body. Meaning that we're, as a member, as a person who's connected into the church, the greater family of God, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. It's not just a me and Jesus walk, walk until we get to heaven situation. We're called to be part of a bigger family, a bigger team. And we've seen it kind of the pendulum swing both ways over the course of church history. Where at points it's, it's all about the church. You don't really matter as a person. Other times it's, it's just me and Jesus. I don't really need the church. Paul says, no, you need the church. We need each other. You're part of something bigger. This is not a solo project. So first we're a part of something bigger. We're part of a body. Another part, he says, in terms of members, that they, they each member, again, belongs to all the others. And with that, we're supernaturally connected. If you've seen the beginning of verse 5, there's three words that you might skip over. So in Christ. Paul says, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body. As followers of Christ, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, something supernatural happens. We are then connected with Christ. And if each individual is connected with Christ, then we're connected with one another. Do you know that you are supernaturally connected with all other Christians? Whether you like it or not. No, but you're all supernaturally connected with every other Christian. Again, this is not a subtle effort. We're all part of one body in Christ. We've all received the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, and therefore we're all connected in a network together supernaturally. It's a beautiful picture of the church. And so those are aspects of the different members. And then he goes on to the different gifts that have come from that. In verse 6, he says, We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. To each of us. Here is the truth that if you're a follower of Christ, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that he gives us additional specific grace. And it says here that it's specific. It's given to each of us. The good news is that none of us are left out. None of us are left out of this. Every single one of us has received a specific type of grace from God that he then expects us to offer back to him in service to others. Specifically in and through the church as we see here in this passage, but in general to others. And so this grace has been given in, and I love those words, to each of us. And so you may come to this worship service in this time today, or you may be joining us online and thinking, I don't know if I have anything to offer. What do I have to offer? 
The truth of this passage is there's something that you have to offer. And God wants to show you what that is. And when you find out what that is and you offer that to him, I believe that's that feeling that when a, a team clicks and when a player on that team says, I was made for this, or I'm in the zone, that each of us has a God zone. There's something that God's given to us that if we utilize this, we dedicate it to him, we could experience that. We can, again, come back to life as we offer that to God, whatever that is. Here, Paul gives seven examples of different gifts. This is one of multiple lists of spiritual gifts that are in the New Testament. We see here in Romans 12 is one list. Another list is in 1 Corinthians 12. Another list is in Ephesians 4. And there's a similar list in 1 Peter 4. For me, it's the 12s and the 4s. I finally figured out where to find these, uh, these, these uh, lists in the Bible. It's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Here's one example. Seven, the number seven is important because it speaks to completion and totality. And so here, I think Paul is giving a sample set, though this is not an exhaustive list of the different types of gifts. So he, let me just walk through them briefly. If you, he says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now, prophesying isn't, is not predicting the future. And there's a psychic across the street. We're not into that here, okay? The fact is that prophesying is not predicting the future. Prophesying is speaking, speaking a word in light of what God's revealed to a person. Typically, specifically through his word. And it's that extra sense. And it has to be tested out. Here it says, accordance, in accordance with your faith. It's not just an inspiration or a, thus saith the Lord, and I feel like I want to share whatever I want to share. No, it's got to be based on what God's revealed in his word. And it's a word of truth to someone in a situation when they need to hear a word of truth or a word of grace based on his word, prophesying. He says in verse 7, if it's serving, then serve. If this word for service, the where we get the word deacon, and it speaks to serving and specifically serving and, and sharing, especially material goods when someone's in trouble and coming alongside someone in that capacity. If it's serving, then serve. He said, if it's teaching, then teach. In essence, coming from God's word, being able to share about the instruction of God based on what God's revealed in Scripture. He goes on, he goes, if it's to encourage, then give encouragement. To encourage means literally to put courage into someone, right? To come alongside someone and put courage into them. And saying, so whether it's consoling, whether it's exhorting, whether it's, whether it's just a word of inspiration, if it's encouragement, do that. If you're that type of person, you could put courage into someone, go do it. If it's giving, then give generously. Here, taking from someone's private wealth and materials and, and dedicating and giving it away, whether to the local church or to others in need, do it and do it generously, he says. He says, if it's to lead, do it diligently. Right, to lead here, the word literally means to stand at the front and to do so with diligence and zeal and to take people where they haven't gone before. That's what a leader does, do it diligently. And lastly, he says, if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Right? Acts of mercy, specifically when people are struggling, oftentimes with sickness or the loss of a loved one, right? to come alongside them and to have acts of compassion, acts of mercy, and to do it cheerfully with a good attitude. Not begrudgingly, but to do it cheerfully. These are seven specific gifts that are listed here in this passage. So these gifts are not exhaustive because we see these other lists in the New Testament. But it gives you a sample. And it shows the diversity, the different types of gifts that are in the body of Christ. I think it also points to the fact that we should, each and every single one of us should be asking ourselves, what are our specific abilities, expertise, and experiences that we bring to the church as well? 
Beyond these spiritual gifts, God's given you a, a unique set of abilities, expertise, and experiences that you bring to the table. That's different than anyone else. If you look around this room, you're different than every other person in this room. Your story is unique. And how God's gifted you, the abilities he's given you, the expertise, the things you've learned over the course of the years, and experiences that you've had. And even goes even further, I believe, to different types of personalities or ways you view the world. All of us have something to give. So the way I summarize it is this, that God, God gives us gifts, God gives us one another, and God calls us to exercise our gifts together. I invite you to say that with me. God gives us gifts, God gives us one another, and God calls us to exercise our gifts together. It's coming back full circle to the church, right? The church, which is the family of God on the mission of God. It's a family that can also function like a team, a team that clicks, knows where they're headed, knows their why, and our why is the great commission of Jesus when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Help more and more people come to know Jesus, follow him, and then grow in those great two commands, to love God, love others, and the new command that Jesus gave is to love one another as he has loved us. As we grow in that and share that love, that's the why. And as a team that clicks knows what they're all about, but also then each person knows their unique contribution, who they are, what they can bring to the table, and they find their place. And so when every person in the church finds their role, finds relationships, right, finds a sense of purpose and contribution, that's when we come back to life, both individually and together as a church family. That's when it clicks. And remember, winning for the church means living out the Great Commission. It doesn't mean more people. It doesn't mean bigger buildings. It doesn't mean big budget. It doesn't mean whatever. What it really means is more people coming to know and realize that God hasn't given up on them. That God loves them. And when a person really understands that, it changes everything. And you're not going to find that anywhere else in the world. It's for God offers in and through the local church in Christ. And so that's the why. So as a church, and I and our leadership want to help you find your place. And so whether you've, you're brand new here today, whether you're clicking online and checking us out, welcome. Wherever, wherever, you're, wherever stage you're like, maybe you've been a part of this church for over 50 years. We want to help you discover or rediscover your place with New Providence Presbyterian Church. Um, and to do that, we want to give you a fresh start. And we're going to have a specific, exciting event on, on Sunday, September 18th. And it's going to be called Fresh Start. Fresh Start. And I'm going to get specifics to it, but Sunday, September 18th is going to be a little different here on Sunday morning. So I want to give you a warning about that now. doesn't mean you skip and stay home. I'll get to that in a moment. It's a good thing. Um, but before we reflect on that morning, I want to take a moment to reflect on where we are in our stories right now. As you think about it, no doubt it's been a long couple years, hasn't it? If you really slow down and think about the last couple years and what's happened. Um, as we strive to get back to normal, whatever that means, I think each of us owes it to God. I think we owe it to ourselves. I think we owe it to others to kind of check in and say, where are we right now? Um, because I think for a lot of us, if you go back to January 2020, and you compare yourself then to where you are now, a lot has changed. 
I was having a good conversation with someone yesterday at a, at a family gathering about how much has changed, uh, whether in the, especially in work situations, in terms of working remotely, and we're trying to figure out what that even looks like and what's the impact of that. But have we checked in with ourselves in terms of who we are? Because um, I think we're no doubt still feeling the ripple effects of this pandemic, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, no doubt, and absolutely spiritually. And each of us, I think, needs to ask the question, are we swimming? Are we sinking? Are we treading water? Where are we? Uh, what's changed in terms of our priorities? What's changed in terms of our goals? Maybe our interests have changed through this pandemic time. Maybe our passions have changed. And so what may have seemed to work two or three years ago may not apply anymore. This is a chance for us as a church family to have a fresh start, for you individually to have a fresh start, to figure out who you are in light of whose you are. You are God's child. And what are, what's God calling you to do and to be? So you promise for us, church, we want to give you that fresh start. So here's what we're going to do on that morning. I'm going to cut my sermon short significantly. Can we get an amen? Amen. <laughs> do the wave from the right. No, no, but we're going to cut the sermon short. Amen right there. We're going to cut it short. Instead of heading out to the diner or home and to go cutting the lawn or whatever else is going to happen on a Sunday, we're going to continue to worship, not in here, but down the hall and parish hall. And what I've asked our staff and ministry teams to do is to provide you a fresh set of ways to connect as a church and also ways that you could dedicate your gifts and service to the church. And this is so much more than a glorified sign-up party. This is going to be a chance for you truly to have a fresh start and to say, okay, what's my place? How can I find those relationships either for the first time or again with our church? So whether it's small groups, other types of gatherings, find those relationships. And then to find a role. What's your unique contribution? Whether visible or hidden, what can it be? Whether it's preparing communion elements, whether it's helping with a small group, helping with our youth. Or I mean, there's lots of opportunities. And remembering that as we give ourselves away, if you want to come back to life, Offer yourself back to God. We're going to give you opportunities to do that on Sunday, September 18th. And again, we envision this to be so much more than just finding, finding tasks to do. Our goal as a church, my role as a pastor, as your head coach, is not to make you busy. My role is to help you find your place in the body of Christ so that you can feel like you are making that type of unique contribution to what God has in this world. That's my role. And it reminds me of a story that uh, my mentor pastor, he's been a pastor for over 40 years. He shared this story numerous times with me. I thought he, he came up with it. It's actually in every leadership book that's out there, so he didn't come up with it. Uh, but it's a great story. He talks about a man who came to a construction site, and he ran to three different people. And the first person, he said, what are you doing? And the guy said, I'm just laying bricks. He, had, he came up to a second person, and he said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm building a wall. He found a third person, and the person was humming and smiling and was in a great mood. And he says, so what are you doing? And the person stood up, smiled, looked at the sky and said, I'm building a cathedral. I'm building a cathedral. The purpose of the story was that third person had a bigger vision. He wasn't just laying bricks. He wasn't even just building a wall. He had a vision of building a cathedral. Every single thing that we do together as a church, right, it's not just being busy and doing churchy stuff. It's ultimately living out the Great Commission, allowing more and more people, starting with you, to know and experience the love of Christ, and then to allow more and more people to get to know this Jesus 
and to follow him and to know the love of God in the process. And you want to come back to life? You want a fresh start coming out of this pandemic? Find your place with our church. Um, I'm excited to see what develops from this and what could come from it because I believe we all need hope, we all need help, and we all need a sense of home, a sense of belonging. And if you feel off, you feel a little, like something's still not right, my prayer for you is that by taking this step, even if it's just a small step, dedicate an hour, dedicate something, dedicate your gifts to something and see what comes from it. Um, see what God does as we go into this process. Let me give you one thing to remember, one thing to do as we finish and questions for reflection to go deeper on it. One thing to remember is God gives unique gifts to each follower of Jesus and he expects us to dedicate them to the church. That's a big word, expects. I mean, we could go into all the different parables of, of the talents and things that Jesus shared, right? When you, gave, when you give out a talent or a gift, the expectation is we put it to work. So God's given you something. And your, the real role is to figure out what that is and to offer that back to God. He expects you to do it. And in doing so, he promises to give you grace and bring you back to life in the process. One thing to do this week, ask God in prayer, what have you given me that I could offer to New Promise Presbyterian Church for your glory? Pray and ask that question. And start brainstorming. It could be one thing, it could be many. Write it down. And write it down and bring that with you on Sunday, September 18th. So whether it's a piece of paper, whether it's in a journal, maybe it's a file on your phone or on your laptop, write some things down. Think about your life, your experiences, your abilities, your expertise, even some of the gifts that were listed here in Romans 12. What do you uniquely bring that can make God shine more brightly in and through our church in this community? Consider that in the weeks ahead. Some questions for reflection to help you Think through this. What's an example, again, of a team that clicked? And what were some of the characteristics of the players and team? Think about that. Number two, what has God given you that's unique that you can offer the church? That's the question I asked before. Number three, what could change? What could change if we actually all did this? If we actually did this? And dedicated our abilities, expertise, and experiences to the church for the glory of God. Now, I've shared this before. I'm going to share it again. I'm going to share it for as long as I'm alive. Why not us? Why not us? There's countless individuals like me all around this country right now as we head towards the fall who are probably preaching a similar sermon. Church, you've been given gifts. Church, we got to put it to practice. Church, for the body of Christ and for the glory of God, let's all sign up and get busy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about coming back to life. I want to give you something bigger here. Give it a shot. See what it is. Yes, I'm in sales mode. I'm selling. I'm selling coming back to life because it's not a joke this is God's word and he promises that each member has a special function and when you find your place that's when you say I was made for this I'm alive I'm in the God zone may that be the case for all of us as we seek to have a fresh start as a church heading into the fall through the rest of 2022 and into the future let's pray let's pray father in heaven as we considered the truths of who you have made us and how you have made us. And also our life stories, God, with the different experiences that we've had and the expertise that we've gained. God, I pray and ask that you would give each and every single one of us a clear sense of what we can dedicate to you, God, in a fresh way starting this fall and into the rest of this year. God, help us to live out this great commission, Jesus, that you gave to your disciples and by extension have given to us today. Help us, Lord, 
to help more and more people come to know you and follow you and experience life and life to the full that you promise. And as we do, Lord, that we would find our place and we would come back to life, both individually and as a church family. Lord, give us this fresh start. We look to you. You are the giver of life. You're the giver of living water. We need you. We look to you. We ask for all this in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen.